cutting-edge conversations with the Quant community. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new Quantcast from Mauro Cesar and Nasneen Sharif. Hi, Nasneen. Hi, everyone. Today, we have the pleasure to talk to the authors of the very first paper that Riston.net publishes on the application of quantum computing in finance. Indeed, this is one of the first papers on the subject to appear in the literature. So, welcome to Alexei Kondratiev, who is Managing Director and Head of Data Analytics Electronic Market Solution at Standard Chartered in London. Hi, Alexei, how are you? Hello, everyone. Alexei, obviously you are uh, well known to our readers. You already published a couple of papers in RISC, and of course, uh, thanks to those, you are currently holding the Quant of the Year crown. And uh, we have also um, Davide Venturelli, uh, who is uh, connected to us over the phone, and um, it's a great pleasure to have you, Davide. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me for this. So Davide is a quantum computing science lead at USRA, uh, which is the university's space research association, is based in San Francisco, and is also a research scientist at NASA. In short, and simplifying greatly, in your research you propose a, a portfolio optimization approach that builds on Markowitz framework and uses quantum computing to address the problem of uh, the high computational costs uh, of dealing with the large correlation matrix. Now, I know uh, what you obtain in the paper is actually much more than that, um, than uh, a speed up of the calculation, but we'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, first, I'd like to, um, to get from you an understanding of uh, the main point of this paper, the use of quantum computing. So, Davide, um, in intuitive terms, what is quantum computing? Quantum computing is um, the attempt of humanity to use uh, physics to do mathematics, is the um, um, ambition of exploiting the laws of uh, physics at the microscopic scale to perform computations of uh, uh, value uh, in a way where the complexity of uh, chemistry, physics, uh, um, and of course quantum physics can be exploited as a resource rather than as a problem to uh, deal with. So in quantum computing we attempt in uh, engineer and control very complex devices that um, manipulate states which are very fragile uh, and uh, that they uh, maintain this property typically are only maintained at the scales of uh, uh, nanometers or, or, or below that. And we are able to use those effects like tunneling, superposition, entanglement for uh, algorithms. So in your paper, um, you're applying a you know, specific uh, quantum computing technique called quantum annealing. Uh, could you describe uh, to our audience what that is? Of course, uh, quantum annealing is, yeah. um, is a technique which is very, very um, interesting because it's, um, um, an it's a quantum analog of another technique used in computer science, which is simulated annealing. And uh, um, as a very uh, intuitive uh, um, interpretation, if you uh, take the problems that you're trying to solve 
and you um, map it into a physical system where the um, property that you're trying to compute becomes the energy of the system, then you convert your problem in the ability to cool down the system uh, and uh, to reach the minimum energy state of, uh, of that physics uh, uh, ensemble uh, that you created. And uh, there are many ways to cool a system. You can turn off the temperature but uh, one and allow the system to relax by the laws of physics. But um, another one way that uh, has been invented uh, by the concept of quantum annealing is to exploit uh, the quantum fluctuations uh, which uh, um, are present in uh, in the mathematical description of quantum systems, and uh, specifically to drive the system to being uh, in the minimum energy state through a series of um, uh, principles, uh, which goes under the name the adiabatic principle of quantum mechanics and also uh, transitions between uh, uh, low energy states. And, um, and essentially what we do is, is really to um, perform an analog experiment where we use all the pathways that uh, nature gives us to start from a, a, a solution which represents an energy residual in the system to a, to, to, a, to a solution which is the global optimum of your optimization problem, which represents the most cold state of your chip that you programmed. Uh, to to execute the algorithm, so I, I'm not sure if this <laughs> this uh, description eliminates the process, but uh, uh, quantum annealing is really is really this uh, um, this uh, this method that uh, uh, manipulates uh, uh, physics to uh, to arrive to the uh, minimum energy solution and the highest quality solution of an optimization problem. All right, so uh, so in this paper. Um, you're applying quantum annealing uh, to a specific problem of uh, portfolio optimization in finance. So um, what is the main contribution of, of this paper in this you know, particular field um, of finance? Alex, maybe you can take that. Yeah, sure. And then uh, I think Darda will continue. Uh, I think uh, one of the main uh, contribution here is that we attempted to use new technique called reverse quantum annealing and we applied uh, this technique um, to a large-scale problem which is uh, essentially a real-world problem and uh, we used uh, effectively uh, the whole capacity of a quantum chip so it was probably the largest um, fully connected graph <coughs> problems that uh, can be solved on existing uh, D-Wave uh, quantum annealer. So that's, uh, we believe, is something that is very exciting and uh, has both uh, value in quantitative uh, finance and in physics. Uh, we established uh, uh, between two and three orders of magnitude speed up uh, when we look at annealing time and compare annealing time with uh, a classical uh, laptop. However, uh, we understand that if you would uh, add all kind of um, inevitable uh, overhead computational costs, such as uh, the readout and system reset, then uh, we don't actually see such a big uh, speed up. 
but then we understand that uh, technology, quantum computing technology, is continuously improving. And as uh, quantum computers, quantum annealers, uh, become more and more powerful as we reduce noise and improve connectivity, and uh, generally uh, we observe huge progress in uh, quantum computing technology, uh, we believe that the overhead uh, can be reduced in the future, and uh, annealing time is what is probably a fair measure uh, to compare against uh, time needed to solve problem on uh, classical computers. Okay, so you, you said um, the annealing time um, improved, got faster by two, three orders of magnitude. Is that also the speed up of the, uh, the output that you obtain? So uh, we look at uh, problems of various sizes. And it's very important for us to understand how time to solution, what we mean by uh, annealing time here, uh, scales with the problem size. For really small problems, uh, we can have uh, amazing results, but it's important to understand what kind of results, what kind of time to solution we can get for uh, larger portfolios, uh, larger problems. And, and this is what is actually interesting. Uh, again, uh, our, our research was on how to optimize performance of uh, quantum chip. Uh, we try to um, uh, perform a lot of tests and see which set of uh, parameters gives us the best performance. And then we reported, obviously, uh, performance of, of uh, D-Wave quantum manila with uh, the most optimal set of parameters. So I think uh, uh, one of the main results is that we actually uh, see potential. We understand that existing uh, uh, quantum technology, quantum hardware, uh, has a long way to go, and we expect a lot of improvements uh, in the next uh, several years and further. Uh, but we definitely established a uh, potential, and, and this is what uh, gives us so much confidence and uh, desire to continue our research. So, say if, if at a you know bank you've you know completely optimized um, you know all the overhead costs through whatever additional technology and you know personnel whatever's required, um, do you think a problem like portfolio optimization could be solved a lot faster? Is there potential for that? Um, uh, uh, potentially, yes. Uh, yeah. for, uh, for the next generation of uh, quantum uh, annealers, and we know that uh, we can expect a new generation of D-Wave uh, quantum annealers soon, uh, so-called Pegasus architecture. Uh, in this case, when we reduce noise, when we improve connectivity, when we have more qubits, uh, we can obviously encode a bigger problem. And then, uh, with quantum annealer, we can uh, show, hopefully, a different type of uh, quantum speedup. Uh, because problems can become so big that uh, traditional uh, classical approaches, like genetic algorithm or any other evolutionary algorithms that we would run on this portfolio, uh, would struggle to cope uh, uh, with uh, such large and complex nonlinear problems. We should understand that uh, when we look at a portfolio optimization problem in uh, a traditional mean variance uh, Markovich uh, framework, uh, here we extend uh, the uh, Markovich framework to discrete portfolio optimization problem. Uh, a traditional uh, mean variance optimization problem is stated for in, in continuous case. 
we effectively say that we can buy and sell assets in any amount. However, in a more realistic setup, when we have a restriction on how much uh, we can buy and sell, and if we can uh, put a strong restriction that we can only buy and sell in discrete amounts, the problem becomes a very difficult uh, combinatorial problem, what is known as NP-hard problem for classical computers. And this is where quantum annealers uh, can definitely show our performance and uh, much better results. But we just need to wait a little bit and see what kind of results we'll obtain on the next generation of uh, quantum annealers. I, I can add uh, I, I can add a couple of things. Um, it's uh, it's really a new um, a, a new attempt uh, in terms of scientific literature to even quantify the power of quantum computers as opposed the, uh, to the power of classical computers. And uh, this is further complicated for quantum annealing where you do have a, an analog method of computation. So you immediately see that you do not have a clock speed, you do not have a frequency of the processor and discrete events that you can count and, and try to you know, compute the petaflops or, or something like that. So what you are uh, really uh, facing is uh, a benchmarking procedure where you are looking at different uh, metrics of quality and different metrics of comparison. And uh, there has been like several work uh, uh, in the last couple of years that have uh, identified ways to compare, um, but uh, the, the jury is still out. Uh, we, we we are not going to uh, you know claim any definite speed up uh, in the next five years, in my opinion, because uh, the um, uh, you know you could all you could always try. I don't know, like to buy uh, 500 uh, com uh, Intel chips and parallelize this, the problem in, uh, in, uh, in a classical computer and, 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 beat, uh, and beat the quantum one. So uh, uh, what, we, what the world community is trying to achieve at some point in the next uh, five years or so is uh, a situation of clear quantum advantage or even quantum supremacy, which means uh, uh, at some point, if you demonstrate empirically that you're solving a problem that would be crazy to solve in any other way, then uh, you're good. You don't need uh, the mathematical proof that what you did is the best. You you have uh, like the the down to the ground proof of that. And 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 uh, and what we did is really you know the first attempt uh, that I know of at least of uh, of uh, uh, looking at the problem in finance which has value and uh, looking at what uh, this quantum computing business can uh, can do for it, and uh, and and it will represent, in my opinion, a baseline uh, for for future work, and uh, and it will be uh, very important to to be improved uh, before entering in production, hopefully, in uh, in, in some years. So I'm um, speaking of problems that are crazy to solve in any other way. Why was uh, Markowitz portfolio optimization chosen? as a topic of study to apply, as a first time to apply quantum computing to? Yeah, so maybe I will take this question. Um, uh, uh, Markovich portfolio optimization problem as uh, a mean variance uh, portfolio optimization framework is one of the best known and well-studied problems and uh, portfolio optimization frameworks. So it, it, it made uh, a total sense to start with a problem 
that is widely known. Uh, everyone knows how to deal with this problem. Uh, we know how to solve this problem uh, in the most optimal way, very f in very fast, uh, in continuous uh, portfolio optimization case. And just converting this problem into more difficult combinatorial problem when you look at a discrete portfolio optimization problem. Uh, again, made a lot of sense because this type of problem, uh, the mean variance uh, uh, Markovich portfolio optimization problem in the discrete case is very similar to a physical problem known as uh, Ising spin model. And this is a kind of problem that can be solved on D-wave quantum maneuver. Uh, so the use case was more or less straightforward for us. Um, just to get this point a little clearer for me, um, so the difficulty, is it, is it due to the fact that um, you need to reason in discrete amounts for the position of that portfolio, or is also the size of, uh, of the correlation matrix, a combination of the two? Yes, uh, indeed, it's the combination of the two. The problem comes from the fact that when we look at uh, a discrete portfolio optimization problem, we have uh, a complex combinatorial problem with no uh, uh, so there is uh, no algorithm, no classical algorithm that can solve this problem exactly. We can only approach this problem either by brute force, so it just goes through all possible combinations one by one, or uh, we can try to use some kind of uh, search heuristic. Uh, usually we would go for uh, some kind of evolutionary search algorithm, like genetic algorithm. That's what we used in our benchmark uh, case. And um, uh, the size of the portfolio or the size of the uh, uh, covariance matrix uh, also plays a huge role because complexity uh, grows with the size of portfolio and the size of covariance matrix. So, um, you know, uh, for from a business perspective, you know, say for a bank or a buy-side firm, what kind of obstacles could they run into to use a technology like this on a regular basis, you know, for, say for portfolio optimization? Uh, I think that um, uh, existing uh, quantum computers uh, is a uh, analog like quantum manulars or uh, digital gate model quantum computers, they're just not powerful enough at this stage right now that uh, they can del deliver um, massive um, improvement uh, in efficiency or um, they can solve problems that we can't right now solve with uh, classical uh, computers. Uh, th that's well un uh, understood. However, we also understand that uh, in the next few years, uh, quantum uh, computing uh, hardware is going to improve massively. We are really waiting to, uh, to the next generation of uh, D-Wave uh, quantum annular to the Pegasus architecture. Uh, and in uh, gate model quantum computing, we also see a lot of development recently. It's also very encouraging that large technology companies and engineering companies invest heavily in this space and try to build their own quantum hardware. So uh, we believe that from business perspective, it's important to understand potential. It's important uh, to understand use cases and actually build a portfolio of use cases, like a suite of use cases that can potentially be solved partially, maybe not completely, but partially using quantum computing. Um, so probably the most um, 
efficient way of using uh, quantum computing in business and in financial services in particular would be to design some kind of hybrid protocol where uh, most of the calculations will continue to be done classically but complex optimization problems or maybe sampling uh, problems will be outsourced to quantum chip and will be done uh, in this way such that the overall process is maybe 5-10% more efficient and if you have 5-10% efficiency gains in different processes and when we combine them together it, it becomes quite material. Uh, I suppose uh, as you say the computational power not being at its maximum uh, is one of the obstacles but the other this stage and probably future stages as well would be the cost I suppose right? So do you imagine in the future financial institution to have their own quantum chip in-house or will it be sort of out Will the computer power be a, uh, outsourced? Uh, with existing uh, 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 computers like uh, uh, D-Wave quantum annular or maybe a gate model quantum computing developed by IBM and the likes, um, we probably can't expect realistically these uh, computers to be installed in our data centers uh, because uh, just big refrigerators uh, with a uh, quantum chip uh, uh, actually being relatively small in size, but it would require 3 by 3 by 3 uh, meters uh, box that ref ref refrigerates quantum chip to almost absolute zero uh, temperature. Uh, but it's not uh, an issue because uh, most, if not all, uh, main uh, quantum uh, uh, quantum hardware manufacturers offer cloud access uh, to their hardware. So if needed, um, it's it's possible to get access um, to quantum hardware over cloud. Okay, and and given that, um, to what time horizon do you think there will be an uh, an implementation? not just at the experimental phase, but in production to, to solve uh, optimization problems or eventually other problems? Uh, I remember that we discussed this question yeah, right. <laughs> exactly one year ago, <laughs> and my prediction was that we are going to see uh, widespread adoption of quantum computing in businesses in the next five years. And I think I will stick with my forecast. So I think that in the next uh, three, four, five years, uh, we're going to see first uh, attempts to actually embed uh, quantum computing in business processes. We just need to wait for the next generation or maybe genera generation after next and understand uh, all, all the capabilities of these quantum computers. We should also not underestimate the progress uh, that is being done in uh, quantum uh, algorithm uh, space when we uh, when we look at uh, gate model quantum computing they uh, run very different algorithms not not the same algorithms that we can run on classical hardware and uh, there is huge progress in designing more efficient uh, algorithms for quantum digital quantum computers uh, sometimes using uh, machine learning methods so we can run a machine learning uh, tool a machine learning model on a classical uh, hardware that optimizes quantum algorithm and then this quantum algorithm can be can be run on quantum hardware and maybe even uh, near-term uh, noisy intermediate scale quantum uh, computers 
would be able to show some interesting results once we know how to how to use them if we can optimize algorithms for them and i can i can add to to the fact that uh, this is uh, these predictions uh, uh, are are all uh, um, you know, I'm I'm also quite optimistic uh, about the fact that we will find a good business value in quantum computing in the next few years in uh, one uh, sector or another. Uh, however, it's very important to understand that this is not um, an engineering issue uh, to predict uh, the power and to to really capitalize on the power of quantum computing. It's a science issue. So we are not only facing problems on how to make this chip colder and more integrated and more efficient, uh, which is what the problem of classical computing is, you know, how to pack things better and to make them less noisy. But in, qu in quantum computing, we're also faced to uh, even unknowns of what what is the power of, uh, of this chip, even if we were able to make it, I mean, not, not only how to make it, but also what would it be the power? And the reason is we cannot simulate quantum mechanics efficiently. I mean, quantum mechanics itself is a problem which is npr impossible to um, treat efficiently. So we need quantum computers to understand the power of quantum computers. So it's kind of a chicken and egg problem. And, and that's why, uh, you know, in the future, I agree. I mean, if we're lucky, we will have quantum computers on the cloud and the systems, as Alexi was, was, was saying, uh, will decide whether some part of a problem are better suited for a quantum computer as opposed to a GPU or something else. Uh, but even but today we have all advantages in having uh, uh, actual systems uh, at our disposal and uh, experimentalists at our disposals, so that we can run empirical studies like we did in this paper and say, huh, uh, maybe it would be better to. Uh, uh, increase uh, this parameter, and maybe this parameter is not in the APIs. is a parameter that requires, you know, an experimentalist to lower the temperature or to calibrate the chip uh, differently, um, which is something we actually asked multiple times over the last five years uh, uh, of the usage of this machine um, as a community. Like a community, you know, papers were written saying maybe the temperature shouldn't be that low. Maybe it would be better to be a little higher, for example. And uh, this hypothesis was tested, and so on. So uh, it's really an experimental, uh, speculative effort that we're doing, but it's a very noble one because the, the way quantum computers operate is distinctively different than classical, and so we are up for surprises, and some of these surprises can have a big payoff. Yeah, so you mentioned that it's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of progress that you need to make in the field of science, not just finance. So, uh, you know, on, on that note, uh, the quantum annealers, uh, you know, what other applications can they be used for uh, besides, you know, portfolio optimization? Well, there has been uh, um, several studies of uh, um, similar, um, similar work as we did uh, um, in this paper, but uh, without the usage of reverse annealing, which is the new feature that we use here, but um, which applied uh, quantum annealers to um, logistics problems, uh, such as transportation uh, optimization. Then there is uh, problems of scheduling, 
uh, which are somehow asset allocation, but with in the temporal dimension, then there has been a, a lot of effort uh, to uh, capitalize on quantum annealing uh, sampling properties uh, for machine learning. And uh, uh, that is something also finance should uh, probably start looking at, uh, where uh, we essentially use the machine uh, as a statistical sampler, uh, and, and and that could be, could lead to um, um, a distribution of output in, a, for example, a supervised uh, learning model, which uh, um, which is unique and not efficiently representable in any other way. So there has been some theoretical predictions and some theoretical uh, analysis that show that this could true. And uh, in another paper that I did with other colleagues. Uh, we have shown that some, uh, uh, under some circumstances, uh, quantum annealers could deliver states which have the properties of being um, Gibbs states or thermal equilibrium states at an unknown temperature that needs to be determined. So those are all things which are uh, potentially exploitable in machine learning um, uh, tool chains. And and so um, uh, this is a big part of of the interest on quantum annealers. And I must say there is another wave of new applications of quantum annealers, which is very spectacularly um, being uh, under attention because they did uh, some papers on nature and science and so on, which is uh, also simulating materials, so simulating um, um, systems which are uh, which are quantum mechanical. Uh, but uh, uh, with thermodynamics uh, has some properties which are difficult to uh, calculate with standard methods. And uh, uh, this system could be mapped into the state of the quantum annealer and they could be sampled and so phase transitions and, and other properties of the condensed matter systems could be computed with the uh, quantum annealers. So and aside from uh, the analog quantum annealers, um where else can uh, quantum computing, uh, digital quantum computing, be applied to um, outside of finance as well? We have a handful of algorithms which have been proven to be asymptotically better than anything that you could ever do uh, with classical computing. Which means that if the number of variables is is crazy high, there is no way that uh, you could beat that. Uh, with a classical computer or with any number of classical computers together. So those are uh, problems which uh, um, arise in database search, but also also optimization. So let's say uh, it is proven that the digital quantum computers, when the number of variables are really, really high, at some point will gain at least a quadratic speed up, meaning that at some point the number of uh, uh, operations you need to do to solve the problem in a quantum computer will scale uh, with a square root uh, as opposed uh, uh, to a classical computer. So that, that would, would mean a potential good advantage. But what everyone is fishing for is algorithms that can deliver an exponential advantage. And we did not prove mathematically uh, a lot in this respect. We have one example in cryptography, which is celebrated in the press uh, because it would allow to decrypt uh, crypto systems which are used today, uh, which allows uh, indeed to decrypt, uh, but, but that's a very specific one. It's very 
to say it's very special. Um, and then there are a lot of ideas and arguments that would allow exponential speed up. So exponential speed up means that you know a problem that would take a day to solve uh, in a I don't know all the computers all the laptops in the world working on it would potentially take seconds in a quantum computer. So um, there are ideas on how to do that. They're not proven. They're not uh, clear. Quantum annealing is one of them, uh, uh, and, and they require experimental uh, experimental attempts. Uh, other advantages which are proven are in chemistry, so simulating chemistry, uh, uh, because uh, of course uh, you know you could use quantum to simulate quantum. Uh, but but all these uh, proven advantages require millions and millions of qubits. Okay, that is that that is what our uh, analysis show, and so we're we're far away from that. But there's a big hope, and that's why there's so much attention in quantum computing. And the hope is in this era where we do not have millions of qubits, where they're very noisy, where they're very uh, dirty with respect to the clean systems we can study in our uh, academic papers. Uh, the hope is that we will find heuristically and it's a very good hope it's not just a blind hope I mean there are good reasons to believe that we will never be able to prove mathematically some stuff and uh, but we could achieve them by trial and error and that is what we are trying to do in the domain of applied quantum computing in these years is there a theoretical or a practical limit to the number of qubits there is, uh, uh, there are some, you know, very philosophical bounds on how many, you know, <laughs> how fast you could go and what's the minimum quantity of matter that you could manipulate. But we're very far away from from those bounds. Uh, however, every true choice of technology has some intrinsic uh, controllability uh, constraints. So, for example, in quantum annealers. We do uh, exploit superconducting uh, flux qubits, which are uh, technology uh, based on solid state uh, uh, materials, uh, specifically niobium. Uh, they could be done with aluminum. Maybe the next chip will use aluminum and it's not been disclosed yet. But essentially, you could probably miniaturize a little bit more things. Maybe you could gain a factor of, I don't know, 5, 10 but you can't certainly gain, gain in a fact of 1,000. <laughs> that's, that's impossible. And uh, in, in the miniaturization, at the same time, the control electronics, sure, can be made faster, but you cannot go uh, you know, beyond what would uh, fry uh, you know, the metal. So at, this, at some point, you, 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 you have some constraints, but I would say we are super far away from uh, any uh, engineering uh, ultimate limit uh, in quantum computing, as a matter of fact, uh, the the room for improvement is so high that a lot of the speed up that we are going to see, in my opinion, is not maybe necessarily go uh, come from uh, some fundamental mathematical uh, new ideas, but it would also come from the fact that we are controlling systems which are, uh, you know, which are very very fast by design. Like, uh, there are a lot of attempts to do quantum computers with photons, for example. I mean, photons are light. I mean, they, they necessarily go at the speed of light. You, you can't go uh, smaller than that. So, um, 
you, you can't go fast. So, um, so there is a, uh, there's a lot of, uh, uh, as I said before, surprises, and uh, and um, the limitations of the Moore's law, the the idea that we we double the the speed of uh, of classical computers every couple of years doesn't apply to quantum computing, and that's one of the things that excites us because uh, you know we do not have uh, you know uh, a clear constraint to what can be achieved. So th this may be a question more for Alexei, um, and it's it's a bit more forward looking. Um, so assuming you have the technology you need, you know you have a large number of qubits. Say you got. 100 qubits, you, you've managed to achieve speed-ups that are uh, much better than classical computing for financial applications. What operational challenges would you face within a bank internally to apply a technology like this? Uh, I think that apart from um, uh, something being completely different, so there might be a bit of a cultural clash here. Uh, people sometimes are resistant to new ideas, new technologies. Also, it's such an exciting new technology that probably most people would embrace it rather than resist. It's it's hugely exciting to try uh, work on uh, quantum hardware. I, I think the most uh, uh, important challenge here is to actually present uh, specific use cases. Uh, we understand that right now we're experimenting and as David said, it's, it's a very noble task and hugely exciting, and uh, we don't know when we have the next major breakthrough, and if we can be part of it in any shape or form, that's great. If we can contribute to global effort in finding uh, interesting new use cases and applications for quantum computing, this is also great. But uh, from a business perspective, we need a portfolio of use cases. We need to identify uh, as many as possible areas where doing at least part of the uh, computational protocol quantumly improves efficiency. And uh, that's, that's what we're doing now and that's what I think uh, we're going to do in the future. Uh, discover more and more of potential use cases and as quantum um, uh, hardware improves, as quantum chips becomes more and more powerful and capable, uh, we'll have more and more of such use cases. And at some point uh, it would be uh, almost obvious that okay, let's uh, let's just uh, do uh, part of our uh, daily processes, uh, normal conventional business processes, uh, at least partially on a quantum computer, and combine uh, classical and quantum computations for challenging problems. Uh, also, don't expect to have a single point such that until this point we do everything classically, and after this point, after this moment we just switch into quantum and do everything quantumly. Uh, I think uh, embedding of quantum computations into a business process will be very slow and gradual, as it should be. Uh, but at some point, uh, the cost is going probably to, uh, to be progressively smaller, and the benefits are going to be progressively larger. So at some point, it would be economically viable uh, to do maybe not all, but some and over time more and more of our business processes on uh, quantum hardware. So what would, you know, in a, in a nutshell, what would be 
the pitch to like a you know senior management saying based on all the information that is available at the moment on quantum computing saying this is why we should use it in finance this is why we should use this in this particular business because uh, it will change things for us yeah sure yeah so uh, one use case we identified in our paper and investigated in our paper this is uh, uh, an optimization problem and in finance we have a lot of optimization problems Uh, I think it would not be an exaggeration to say that probably most of problems we really face hard problems we face in finance are optimization problems of some kind Uh, and then what Davide mentioned uh, an ability to perform efficient sampling from a complex distribution Uh, uh, so sampling from Boltzmann distribution is uh, very computationally intensive classically it's a non-trivial task for classical computers and if you can demonstrate that sampling using quantum annealers is more efficient in some cases uh, materially more efficient then we have another use case because in finance uh, we perform a lot of sampling we run Monte Carlo simulation we run historical simulation uh, we can we continuously generate scenarios in which we then uh, revalue our portfolios, our trades, and so on. So that's another use case. And this use case may consist of a number of smaller use cases where um, we perform sampling here and sampling there. We run this risk engine, that risk engine. And uh, at some some point, uh, we can demonstrate uh, without any doubt that doing this with the help of uh, quantum chip uh, is more efficient, cost efficient. So, your collaboration has uh, has given very interesting results. And um, from what you just said, Davide, uh, um, financial applications are um, those we have been discussing here. But you mentioned many that are outside finance as well. Is this the only financial application you are working on? Yes, for now, um, th- this. Um this research has been uh, produced as a collaboration between uh, uh, University Space Research Association and Standard Chartered because Standard Chartered uh, has applied to uh, uh, to one of the um, opportunities that uh, USRA um, uh, proposes uh, um, sponsored by uh, NASA and Google to uh, uh, to allow external institution to use uh, the D-Wave machine, which is hosted at the NASA Ames Research Center. And uh, uh, Standard Chartered has won uh, the uh, award to use the machine. And uh, uh, when I have uh, seen the proposal, uh, there were certainly some very good uh, points where we could uh, work together. And uh, we had also the sponsorship of another institution, uh, it's called QCWare, so we had some funding to work on on this project. So even if my normal uh, activity is focused on aerospace science and robotics uh, and other applications of AI, I I welcomed very much working on on finance because I think finance has uh, the luxury of uh, having problems which are very very difficult. Uh, but also very fundamental, very, very elegant in some sense. Very, uh, so it's a very nice playground for any physicist and, and, and computer scientist, at least from my perspective. I'm not a finance expert. So uh, I welcome very much the um, entrance in 
this world of uh, uh, practitioners of quantum computing, of, of finance experts. And I think that finance could certainly uh, have, uh, um, bring fresh ideas and also bring the fresh problems. Because uh, one of the things that quantum computing is struggling with is to identify use cases that are not necessarily difficult because they are big. There's a lot, it's very easy to make a problem difficult by, you know, putting trillions of variables in it, and then it's going to be difficult to solve. But uh, it's not uh, necessarily easy to create a problem which is difficult while being quite small. But finance is very, um, at least from an outsider perspective, it's very uh, um, attentive to details, and it's attentive to correlations which are not of the first order, also the second order, and so on, and trying to improve their models to a level of obsessions sometimes, which is really very interesting uh, uh, to me. So I I, uh, I don't know if this is going to be my uh, only contribution in finance, but I enjoyed very much uh, working uh, with the uh, quant team of uh, uh, Standard Chartered, so I hope uh, there will be other opportunities to uh, do a crossover between scientists working on on applications which are not necessarily financed and uh, scientists that work on finance. So do you mean this project is done now or will the collaboration continue? Oh, we have, we have several plans on how to improve things. Definitely, uh, uh, Alexi, you can you can totally say what are your ideas in finance uh, on this. Yeah, uh, so we mentioned several potential use cases. One is uh, very interesting uh, using uh, the way quantum vanilla for sampling, uh, investigating uh, an ability to sample from Boltzmann distribution because there are a number of applications for this in finance. Uh, uh, you can uh, here mention such machine learning models, a type of neural networks, uh, which is known as a restricted Boltzmann machine that finds a number of applications in finance in different contexts. So uh, we have ideas, we have plans, and I very much hope that we, we continue our collaboration in the future. Excellent. So these were the questions we wanted to ask. Uh, the paper, your paper, Beyond Markovitz with Quantum Annealing, is online on RISC.net and it will be in the June issue of RISC. Uh, so it's there for all our subscribers to read. Thank you both very much for uh, joining us today. It's been very interesting. And thanks, Naz, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you.